The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. Welcome to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I'm joined as always by my co-host up in the city of Philadelphia, Christopher Smalls Angelos. Smalls, we... Had a head coach on the show this week who is younger than the two of us. How did that make you feel? I mean, it makes me feel old, obviously, but um, pretty disappointed in myself. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) I can see that. We had uh, Nate Champion. Uh, He's been the head coach at LeMoyne for, I don't even know what the date is today, Smalls. It is Tuesday, the 11th. So he has not even been the head coach at LeMoyne for a full month. He broke some news on this podcast about someone he is potentially hiring. So wait all the way until the end if you're in the mix for a job and find out if it's you. But uh, Nate Champion played at LeMoyne, uh, was an assistant at Florida Southern, uh, worked at Stonehill, played overseas in Australia, which we talked about. But I don't know if we got the first full-length interview with him, Smalls, but I had a great time talking to Nate. And a guy, like I said, at 28 years old who's absolutely a rising star right now, any 10 job and just you know ready to really go to the moon, I guess. Yeah, it kind of amazes you how this business is just it's it's weird, right? Because you can see a guy who's coached for 20 years as an assistant never get a head coaching job and then you can see a person who's been an assistant for 4 years, it's really right situation, right timing, being in the right place at the right time and uh then seizing that opportunity. I think Nate's going to do a great job. Yeah, and we talked to him a little bit about how this opportunity came about. We talked about a lot of different things just in terms of his style and and who he's going to be. Joke with him if he cried at his press conference like Juwan Howard. Great answer there. But I did talk to him a little bit about, like, did you know this was going to be a reality or not? Or did you feel like you were going to have to get into the mix? And I thought the way that he talked about kind of presenting himself and being prepared if he was to get a callback was was very, very interesting, Smalls. And I, and I think if there's one thing that young coaches want to take away from this, it's not that, like, everybody can be in the same situation as Nate, obviously an alum, very good player at the school, professional career. But at the same time, knowing that, you know, keeping your eyes on the ball, especially in the offseason. Like, if you know, like, hey, this is something I'm rooting for, you know, I just want to be prepared and have my ducks in a row if this is to happen. You know, if you do get a call, like, hey, we're interested in talking to you, you know, this was some pretty good advice, I thought. And that's about 20 minutes into the interview with him. So just something to keep in, keep track of. Any, any other thoughts on this, Small? It's a little bit of a quick intro because, you know, game, f- game five of the NBA Finals. It can't hurt to be prepared at all times. I think it can only, only help you, uh, you know, in the future when you can – get a job, staying prepared, staying ready. It only helps you become a better assistant or in your current role um, and then prepare for those interviews up front because they're going to happen eventually. It might not be the time you think, but it's going to roll around. And if you're caught off guard, uh, you're not going to do the best job you can. So I think for young guys, it's about staying ready and conditioning yourself to be prepared for those interviews. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And and honestly, like I said, great advice from Nate, a guy that – Took him. I, I think you know. Sometimes we get guys who open up right away. Some guys. Sometimes it, it takes a little while in the interview to get guys really comfortable. And I, I felt like you know, once Nate kind of got comfortable with us, it, it really opened up, and we got to see a lot of his personality. And I think he's going to do awesome things at Lemoyne. So you know, take a listen to that. As always, if you want to get in touch with us, we are Create Your Shot on Twitter at Create Your Shot Pod on Instagram, Create Your Shot on, at face, on Facebook, and Create Your Shot at gmail.com. Shoot us an email, reach out to us if you want to get on the show, if you have suggestions, if you like what you hear, please do leave us five stars on iTunes and Stitcher, write a review, pushes up the rankings, helps us uh, make some things happen and get some more guests. But other than that, that is it for us this week. Like I said, short intro, Smalls has got to watch his guy Kawhi Leonard uh, against the Golden State Warriors, so we got to get off. 
Also, if his audio is a little messed up, just want to throw him under the bus. He did forget his mic for his vacation down to the shore. So, oh, oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I just wanted to throw Smalls under the bus for something called second. authentic, Tyler. Sometimes <laughs> I got to be a little more authentic for these people out here. Oh, I love it. All right, enjoy this interview with Nate Champion, and thanks to everyone who listens. Pleasure to welcome on Nate Champion, the head coach for the Lemoyne Dolphins. Nate, you got the job on May 15th. It is June 6th while we're recording. It's had to have been an unbelievable whirlwind of a couple weeks for you. How are you tonight, man? Hey, uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely been a whirlwind. First of all, I wanted to thank you guys for having me on tonight. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's been a little crazy here, uh, you know, trying to get settled in and trying to get the program uh continuing in the right direction with a lot of things going on but you know settling in nicely and everything's going pretty well yeah let's let's just dive right into it i guess uh you played at lemoyne 28 years old graduated in 2014 really good player we can list your accolades off in a minute that's not usually what we do though have you taken a minute to kind of like soak in like you're you're coming home to coach your alma mater and it's, it's only really been five years since you left you know, it's kind of funny when I first got the position, I was still down at Florida Southern and still working for those guys. And, you know, I would find myself working like I normally was. And then all of a sudden I'd be like, oh, wait, no, I'm I'm the head coach at Lemoyne. And that didn't really hit me until I got here and, you know, got started, took my first day and, and had everything moved into the office and kind of just like sat here by myself and was like, OK, like it's real now. You know, it, I'm here. It, it's my program. You know, I've been, I've been here as a, a player and, and had great success, but now it's my time as a coach and, and to continue in the right direction. Any, any fear in that when you're sitting there that day, you're kind of soaking it in and you're like, you know, this is a great program. Any sort of fear while you're sitting there thinking about it? No, there's no fear. I mean, from the start of my coaching journey, it was kind of something that I had always wanted to do. My, one of my goals was to be a head coach before 30 years old. And so I prepared myself every day to kind of just be ready for when this time came. And, you know, when it finally came, it was kind of more, not a fear, just kind of like, a, okay, it's real. Like it's happening now. So it's, it's time to get to, to work even more, you know, and, and to kind of put that plan into overdrive now. So uh, it, it was a good feeling though. No fear though. Have you, who's the, who's the kid you've seen from school? Who's Tommy boy. Who's like there for eight years and you were playing. Now you ran into the halls. You're like the head coach. So have you seen students around campus that you were like, yeah, I went to school with you. Um, most of the students that I went to school with are gone. I mean, it's been five years. So you know, that, that whole aspect of it isn't really in play but some of them are you know working in the athletic department or you see people that are, that were working while you were a, a student here and now you're a colleague of theirs you know and it's kind of one of those things where like all right I'm on the same level as you and you may be kind of like 
looking at me as I was just that kid that used to play here, you know? And so that, that was kind of a, an interesting feeling when I first got back on campus, but it's, it's normal now, you know, everything, everything pretty, seems pretty, uh, normal now, of course so what, what we've talked to like sean morris at quinnipiac and uh forgetting the name at maris and things like that about uh, you know taking on new basically being on a new staff or becoming a new head coach but we really haven't talked to him in the moment what's been on your agenda as the first couple things that you wanted to tackle uh, as soon as you got the job well, first about first of all, uh, shout out Sean Morris. I mean, he's a great guy. One of the first people that I got to really meet when I moved back to the states and was in Boston. He was at Boston University, and he kind of just helped me out with getting my feet under me and taking the position at Stonehill. So a lot of credit goes to him. But the, you know, one of the first things that I tried to take care of business on was just getting to know the guys. I mean, getting to know the guys that we had coming back. You know, really trying to have a 30 to 40 minute conversation with them. Just, you know, what can I do to help you? How can we keep this thing going? What did you like, you know, about that and, and the way that he had success here? What were some things you thought he could have done better? What are some things you would like to see going forward? And that, I mean, that was kind of the first item of business. And then, you know, the recruiting class for uh, 2019, it's not finished yet. So we're working hard on that. And then, you know, getting our, our staff set too. So, you know, those are the top three things that I would say were on my list. And, you know, we're, we're working on one of them still, but the rest are, are going pretty well. Yeah, the other two, the two guys that I, I was, you know, having a brain fart there was uh, Matt Henry and Serge Clement. But uh, those two guys both talked about those situations of, you know, kind of entering a new process and all how busy you are and what you're dealing with from an HR perspective, but also trying to recruit and get your legs under you. So I think that's really interesting. I think it is really important to get to know the current players there and make sure they're comfortable and you know them first. So I think that's awesome. Uh, I was just saying, yeah, I thought it was, you know, one of the things that coming in as an, as a new head coach and guys are unsure of what's going to happen, you know, and, and having the players trust you and, and have faith in, the direction the program's going is huge. I was curious, you, you've held a lot of roles, and we'll get into your playing career in a second, but one of the things as a head coach is, like Small said, you do end up, you know, you're talking to the admissions office, all of a sudden you're talking to the AD, and it's not so much of a relationship like they pop in your office and say, how are you doing? How much experience did you have with stuff like that at Stonehill and then at Florida Southern, where, or, or is some of this stuff pretty new to you? Um, some stuff is new, obviously, but, you know, being at Stonehill and Florida Southern, those are two of the top division two programs in the country, you know, and, and they're ran by great coaches and Chris Krause and, and Mike Donnelly. And I was able to learn a lot from them and they gave me a lot of freedom. You know, they were kind of like, here you go, you make the most of this opportunity. And if you make a mistake, we'll, we'll help you out. But you know, I was able to kind of play a lot of different roles at those two uh, institutions. And, you know, especially at Florida Southern, I was just able to kind of get into more of a relationship with the AD and the compliance and, you know, people on campus and to where they knew who you were. And so when I first got here, you know, it was a little bit of an adjustment, but, you know, I had had experience in that um, in that role before. Speaking of those two stops and those two coaches, how do you think you developed individually under both guys? And, and what do you think sort of their strengths and weaknesses are in terms of making you a better coach? 
Well, I mean, we'll start with at Stonehill with Chris Krause. I mean, he's the guy that really gave me my first crack at coaching. You know, it was uh, I just got back from Australia. Um, I was late coming back. It was about October. You know, so the season's just about to start and everybody's staff is pretty much set. And, you know, so I emailed Chris and he said to come on out to Stonehill and uh, talk about, you know, being a volunteer there. Uh, and, you know, it really helped me just kind of get going. You know, he would introduce me to people and he would allow me to make connections that way. And then he gave me a lot of freedom. Like when we were in practice and I had something to say, he wanted me to speak up and, you know, I would be be in on all the meetings. So I kind of just got a real taste of what everyday coaching was about. And then, you know, I had the opportunity to go down with, uh, to Florida with Mike Donnelly. And, you know, that's kind of where my coaching career took off. Mike just kind of was like, here's the position I can give you and you're going to make, it what it is. So he gave me the most freedom that he could possibly give me. I was in charge of doing a lot of the recruiting and the and scouting reports, uh, individual workouts, you know, skill development stuff. So he just really kind of gave me free reign to do um, what I could in that position. And and to Mike's credit, you know, he never really he never told me no. You know, he always encouraged me to be the best that I could possibly be. And, and, you know, that kind of just both stops got me to where I am now. But, you know, it developed me in ways that I, I can't thank those two guys enough. So, Yeah, Mike Donnelly, just, you know, one of those tremendous coaches. And, you know, I had the opportunity to, you know, cross paths with him while coaching at Philly U. And he's so good at his job, whether it be, the, you know, the Post or Southern Connecticut and then Florida Southern. What was interesting about Mike, right? He took this job at Florida Southern off of Division II National Championship. For people that don't understand, that may not be in the coaching world, that's a, that's pressure. That's legitimate pressure. That's a totally different ballgame than taking over a team who, you know, hasn't won over six games in six straight years, right? It's a different type of element. And you're taking over a team that has had tremendous success success under Pat Beeline. I want to know, did he has he talked to you or given you any advice at how to handle taking over a very good program as opposed a lot of the, a lot of situations you're taking over not so good program. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you as you said before, you know, Mike has been at post Southern Connecticut where both programs were kind of struggling, you know, it wasn't a powerhouse program and then he goes to Florida Southern and he takes over a national championship team and those first two years as he's told me multiple times were rough you know and they one were. of those things yeah you know, one of the, but he he turned it around you know and he and to Mike's credit he just stuck to who he was like he never he never changed you know he always just said this is my system this is the way we're going to do things here and and it took him a couple years but now look at him they're they're doing great down there. 21 wins uh, two years ago, 25 this past year. You know, they have a great recruiting class coming in. So I expect nothing less than Mike to, to continue the success that he has going on down at Florida Southern. And the one thing that he kind of just told me was don't change who you are. Like, don't just because a certain coach was there before you and he had success doesn't mean you have to try and be that coach. Now, be who you are be stubborn in your ways, like know that what you're doing is going to work and trust yourself. And he's like, if you do that, you 
you're going to be just fine. So that was probably the most, like the piece of advice that he gave me that I took the most. Like I, I hold on to that. Especially because, as a first year coach, right? Because yeah. you know, first year coaches and we're, we're young guys and, you know, we've been in those coaching situations. What you want to do, you're like, oh, something's not working and you want to pivot, right? But I think right. you have to stay in line. Even as a young guy, you got to be like, hey, my first year here, my first, second year, it's going to take time to build. And if I keep pivoting, nothing's there's going to be no foundation in my fourth year and that's where you get yourself in trouble so i think that's that's really the benefit of working under a guy like mike donnelly who can not only give you that perspective but proven success wherever he went and elite level of success as well so i think that's awesome absolutely i mean and like i i mean he's also told me he's like all right you're a first year coach like you're not going to do everything right he's like you're going to make mistakes and he goes but don't get frustrated by those mistakes. He's like, it's part of the process. It's part of learning and growing as a head coach. And he goes, and just remember, like, it's your first time doing it. So you're not going to be perfect. And so, you know, that, that advice as well is, you know, just sticking to who you are. It's, it's kind of just makes Mike who he is. You know, he, he's a great teacher and, and a great guy to, to coach under and learn from. When you played at LeMoyne, we talked about this third team, all any 10 as a senior you end up going overseas. Did you know that you were going to end up starting your coaching career as soon as you did? Did you have plans as a senior or did you just feel like, Hey, I'm going to go overseas and I'm going to take it kind of one day at a time. And then whatever happens happens. Cause it sounds like, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, Nate, but it sounds like come back home. Maybe you were kind of waiting to see like, all right, is something going to pop overseas for me? That's worth it. And then if not, then you send an email to Stonehill and end up there. Is that kind of how that worked for you? Cause I know you that does started, work. You started at Lemoyne though, right? As a coach right off the bat. Correct. So I was um, at Lemoyne as the graduate assistant. It was funny because I took the job. I didn't know. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Honestly, I was right out of college. I knew I wanted to do something in sports. I didn't know if I wanted to go into coaching or if I wanted to go into more of the administrative role, you know, trying to maybe get in with a professional team and do like sales and stuff. I just, I didn't really, I didn't know where I was going. And then um, I decided I would get my master's at LeMoyne. I tried the whole coaching thing and and that would be it, right? And then I would know what I was going to do. And two weeks into the job, I get a, Facebook message from my coach over in Australia who, um, you know, I thought was a joke and I just was like, I, I'm not going to entertain this message. Um, because I thought my friends were messing with me. Like I really thought that someone was messing with me. So I was like just about to leave my house and I was like, you know what, if I don't do it, playing overseas was a goal of mine. If I don't do it and it was a real opportunity, I'm going to kick myself. So I responded back, and sure enough, the guy with an Australian accent picks up the phone, calls me. I answer, and I, I realized pretty quickly that he's serious. And so about an hour later, I had a contract offer sent over, and I went in and spoke to Coach Evans, who I was the graduate assistant under, and he understood that, you know, it's kind of one of those things. It was a goal of mine. It was a great opportunity to go overseas, and that kind of, sparked it and then once I was over in Australia I was um coaching a youth team it was a group of I think it was eight, 18 and under um and it was like the fourth team like you know we weren't great but I had fun because I was able to teach these kids 
different ways to be successful on the floor. And I just fell in love with the process of seeing people grow and watching players mature and get better. And that part of it really made me understand that I wanted to be a coach. Um, so I came back after my first year, knowing that I wanted to play overseas again. I went back to the same team my second year. While I was over there, I was sending emails every day my second year. I just kind of knew that was going to be sure that was going to be my um, my way back was to use my experience over in Australia as a way to get into coaching. And it was funny. I I'm really good friends with uh, Jamie Young from the Boston Celtics, and I thought I was going to get an internship with the Celtics, and I was down as a finalist and then they took the position away so that's kind of why Stonehill happened was because I was in Boston um I was uh moving there with my girlfriend at the time and then it kind of didn't happen and you know then Stonehill happened and that's kind of how I got into it so so it's a different story but you know every everybody kind of has their own path how quickly you mentioned one of your goals was to be a head coach by the age of 30 there's, there weren't a lot of years in between going over to Australia and now being a head coach. How quickly did your goals change, Nate? It seems like you, once you kind of dove into the college level that you felt like, man, this is definitely right for me. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, getting the opportunity at Stonehill and then going down to Florida Southern, uh, you know, Florida Southern kind of took it to more of a reality for me. Like it was more of that possibility that could become real because I had experience in the northeast 10 playing and then in the northeast coaching and then you know i didn't really have any experience outside of that region so when i went down south to florida and kind of it kind of just opened my eyes to a lot of different things like i got really well connected with you know the prep schools in the northeast when i was at stonehill and then you know developed those relationships when i was down at florida southern but i also was able to go back into my roots from home and, and use those Midwest connections, being from Indiana, being able to recruit those Indiana schools. And also that Midwest, that, you know, Kentucky, Ohio, Illinois, that area. Um, I was able to expand my recruiting connections there and then also into that JUCO market as well. So, so it just kind of opened my eyes, let me spread my wings a little bit. And it, again, it was a great opportunity, which made this position that I'm in now a reality. Yeah, when did this become kind of a real thing? Because I, I do feel like a lot of guys in coaching, they feel like, all right, their first stop at a head coaching job, like either you grind it out for a while or, you know, you kind of wait for your alma mater where you might know some people. But for you, wh when did this particular job become a reality? Like this is like, oh, crap, I can get this job because I'm sure they must have gotten 100 resumes, if not more. Right. It was right around 100. Um, but for me, it was. Honestly, it was when uh, Pat Beeline took the Niagara job. Um, I had been in contact with some people here, and I had put my resume out before Pat left just because I had a feeling, you know, he, he's a hot name right now. Something's going to pop for him. He got rumored for, like, 35 jobs in the code. It was, like, exactly. insane. Like, he was exactly. literally – he was taking every, like, Division One job in the Northeast that was potentially opening. And I don't even know if he was actually exactly. interviewing, but it was just like, oh, Pat Beeline, Pat Beeline, Pat Beeline. It's like, all right, man, he can't take every job. 
Right. And, and it was just kind of one of those things I used that to my advantage where I saw he was, you know, a hot name and something was going to pop for him, Division One, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and so I tried to get ahead of that by just sending my resume in and, and staying in contact with people that I knew here. But once he took that job and, and the position was posted, I kind of had a feeling that, you know, that was a real opportunity for me. And then when I got the phone call saying, hey, you know, we'd like to interview you. I was like, okay, now it, now it is real. Like now it is something that I can make happen. How did, uh, how did Lemoyne's interview process kind of unfold? I think that's always something we like to bring up on the podcast just because, you know, a lot of young guys listen to this and uh, we're, we're young guys, you're a young guy, but we're talking 22, 23 year olds and they haven't even been through an interview process yet. So how did you prepare for that? And how did, you know, Lemoyne kind of uh, developed that interview process? So the first um, step in that process was the phone interview. Um, So I was called by HR and they asked me if I would be interested in the position still. And I said, of course I would be. So they were like, okay, well, we're going to, um, we're going to have a phone interview with you. And so I went through that phone interview process. Actually, um, a lot of credit goes to Chad O'Donnell for helping me be uh, prepared for that. He did a great job in in preparing me there and and just kind of going over a lot of different questions that could have been asked and things they may want to know and and things like that. So I felt really prepared going into that phone interview. And to be honest with you, I think that's what got me an on-campus interview. And that was the next step. So I did really well in the phone interview process. Uh, and then they called me and wanted me to come up to campus, which when I got on campus, obviously I felt very comfortable. Um, it's home for me, you know, and Lemoyne's a great place and just, it kind of felt natural once I was here. So, um, you know, I came up on a Friday, left on Saturday and then I got a phone call on Monday. Yeah. And then when, then from the head coaching perspective, now that you, you know, this is your first stop, what do you feel like, you're really confident in because you know all coaches feel like I'm a great X and O's guy but and I'm a great recruiter but administratively I might struggle here and here what do you think you're most confident and then you know something with the most learning curve for you entering your first year yeah well I'm most confident in my ability to recruit and also relate to players um you know and and I think the X's and O's part is part of relating to the players where they trust you. You know, you have a good relationship with them. You're able to relate to just kind of the struggles they have to go through and, you know, throughout college. You know, it's a long season. Basketball is a long season. And being able to relate to them, knowing, hey, I've been there, you know, and, and I understand, okay, they may be a little more tired today. Maybe we should lighten up practice a little bit or, hey, this is a day where we can really get better. We should push ourselves here. You know, and having that ability to kind of give them a reason why we're doing things, you know, and, and why we're doing what we're doing because it's going to lead us to success, you know. And, and so having that ability to, again, relate to players, and that also helps with the recruiting um, in which, you know, I'm pretty confident in myself recruiting uh, the right players. Um, but, you know, something that is going to be a learning cor- curve for me is when I make decisions, like, I'm, I'm the, I'm the boss. You know, I find myself sometimes being like, okay, I need to make that decision. I'm like, 
okay, do I need to ask? And I'm like, oh, no, 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 never mind. I, I have to make that decision. You know, and it's just. Hell yeah, yeah. It's a learning curve, you know, and, and it's just one of those things that will take some getting used to. But I just, I've found myself a couple, I've found myself a couple times just kind of being like, oh, wait, no, that's, that's my decision, you know. And, and so that, I would say that would be kind of the biggest thing for me. How uh, confident were you, and you're still going through the process as far as I know, but in terms of hiring a staff, did you have kind of like an archetype for what you wanted your staff to look like in terms of, you know, here's what your pool is or whatever, and kind of what you wanted from each assistant, or are you looking to build sort of just, you know, get the best people and then build out roles from there? Um, What I'm looking for are guys that are kind of like myself, hungry, like they want to move up in coaching and they want to do the best job they possibly can and and guys that again are going to relate to players i think being an assistant that's a huge quality that you need to have um because your relationship with the player as an assistant coach is completely different than um a head coach it's just it's more of a personal level you know and and you get to know the players differently than a head coach does um and that it's not the head coach's fault or anything. It's just kind of the way it is. Players look at you as an assistant as kind of that comfort, that little buffer between coach. Like I either having a hard time, maybe I don't go to coach right away. Maybe I go to the assistant and ask him first. That's just kind of the way it is. But, um, you know, for me, picking the assistants out has just kind of been a, there's a group of guys that I've had in mind that I think would complement me well. And so finding the right guys that have the right mentality to make your program as successful as possible while making your job as easy as possible was what I was looking for. Guys, we've got to take a quick break. For all those true crime fans out there, check out 22 Hours, An American Nightmare on Podcast One. It was a case nightmares are made of. A family is held hostage for nearly 24 hours, scary, and murdered inside their own home. WTOP examines the complicated trial of evidence that police say led to finding their killer and why they say he committed such a brutal crime. Download new episodes of 22 Hours, An American Nightmare on Apple Podcasts and Podcast One. Yahoo's hosting a contest for the US Open at Pebble Beach with $50,000 in prizes and $10,000 to first place. Use promo code POD25 and get $25 in free play. That's good for your first entry into the contest. Enter up to 10 times. Get started now at yahoo.com slash dailyfantasy. Pod 25 is promo code US Open at Pebble Beach this weekend. Don't miss out on all this fun action at yahoo.com slash daily fantasy. And as always, as we approach the uh, middle of June, the NBA and NHL playoffs are reaching their pinnacle. It's the most exciting time of the year, Stanley Cup finals and NBA finals. And one champion is going to rise to the top. Every play, every possession, every moment is on the line. And with only two teams remaining, you know you got to get in on it. And there is only one place that has you covered and one place we trust. That's betonline.ag. Sign up today for a free account at betonline.ag and use that promo code PODCAST1. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E for a 50% welcome bonus. Wednesday night, smallest game seven, Stanley Cup finals in Boston. It's the best thing in sports. It's the NHL. It's the Bruins. It's the Blues. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore. Get in on the action. Don't forget to use the promo code PODCAST1, or you can text BETNOW, B-E-T-N-O-W, to 238-669 to receive a 50% welcome bonus. NBA Finals, Stanley Cup Finals, both happening this week. Don't miss out on any of the action. BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And now, back to Nate Champion. I want to say just before we move it to Coach Speak, uh, last one for me. 
networking, obviously, is something you've kind of spoken about a little bit. We've touched on it. But in terms of growing your network, especially as a younger guy in this profession, and now somebody who's a head coach who's going to be reached out to by a lot of other people because, you know, for lack of a better phrase, Nate, like you have something that people want. And so they're going to call you and be like, hey, this is my guy. Like you should hire him. But how have you kind of grown your network organically and, and sort of figured out what relationships have been really worthwhile and, and sort of broadened the people in your circle as you've moved up in the industry? Yeah, I mean, my networking was kind of uh, different. I would just sit up when it would be nighttime in Australia. It's morning here. When it's morning in Australia, it's nighttime here. And I would just sit and type emails. And I would ask questions. I would ask if there's available positions. You know, I was just trying to get to know anybody that I could. And the amount of people that I knew at that time compared to what, who I know now obviously has grown tremendously. but it's starting at those relationships and just building one at a time and just really working on those relationships. You know, you may only know four or five people that are in the coaching world and you may know less than that, but if you know the right people, they can help you be introduced to others. And then you have to work on those relationships more um, while continuing to grow the ones that you have. So it's, it's hard at times to stay up with it, but it's also um, it's fun because you get to see people in all different their their journeys are completely different, you know, and you get to learn from everybody that you meet. And I think networking is is easy if you just take the time to um, listen and also follow up with people. The dynamite sales strategy send the emails while people are sleeping you're the first one in their inbox i love it i groove to it it. it's tremendous i mean the advantage of being in australia is is i wake up at 6 a.m i see champion just emailed me every day hold on can we can we talk about australia for a second i feel like i just we we like totally glossed over this but it's like in the it's in the (laughs) it's like in the news because rj hampton's going to play in the nbl like all I ever hear is that Australia is the greatest place on earth, Nate. That it's just like, obviously it's not home, but it's like you go over there, it's an English speaking country. I hear the food is great. I hear the the talent, if you will, maybe off the court is is pretty good. I hear the beaches are great. Like, what was it What was it like over there? Is it, you're, you're from Logansport, Indiana. You were in Syracuse, New York. I mean, Australia had to be amazing, right? A different world. <laughs> <laughs> it really was, honestly. Um, Australia is a great place. Like, it's completely different, but so much the same and what i mean by that is you go and people are saying things in english and you still are like wait what did you just say (laughs) and and then the other part is at the same time people are eating you know uh mcdonald's and burger king and things like that um and kfc which are like so american you know and that's like the staple of america are those fast food restaurants and so you see that over there and it's kind of like okay, well, I do feel comfortable here, but at the same time, you're, you know, 24 hours, 24 hour plane ride from home. So you're kind of like, oh shit, like, well, if anything happens, like, is anybody even going to like, no, you know? So, so that part of it was a little interesting to kind of get used to, but honestly, the people over there are amazing. Um, And the lifestyle is great. You know, obviously, there's a lot of different things that you can do in Australia, but uh, I was able to kind of, you know, travel around, do a lot of different things by, you know, 
seeing different cities and, and just kind of being a tourist really for two years. Like I just try to take in as much as I possibly could, but Australia is one of the, one of the coolest places I've ever been. And, you know, highly recommend it if you can ever go, uh, just take a few weeks, you know, cause it's not enough if you only take one or two. I was going to say, it's, it's tough to do the 24 hour plane ride and only be there for like six days. When you spend like two days on the plane on the bookend of the trip, if you're only there like six days, oh. it's like, cause you're, you're like getting off the plane, you're jet lagged and then you're like dreading getting back on the plane. So really you don't enjoy, you only enjoy like two or three days while you're there. So it's got it. You're right. It's got to be a longer trip. Like a month trip. Exactly. Yeah, month exactly. Trip. And, they, and they just, they just, uh, like when you get there, the jet lag is serious. Like you, it's no joke. You, you know, you're crashing at different times and you just kind of have to fight through it for the first couple of days. But if you're only there for a week, you're not really going to enjoy much of it. It's just more you're on the plane more than anything. Um, but, you know, I always recommend if you're going to take a trip like that, take two, three, four weeks if you can just to just to enjoy it all. You know, and it's like I said, it's a great place. The lifestyle is amazing. The people are amazing. So I highly recommend it. Do you actually think we, we don't always talk about like current events, but in terms of that RJ Hampton thing, do you think that's a good spot for somebody right out of high school to go to? Is that an easy landing spot for a kid that's, you know, as talented as he is? It's not easy. I mean, he's very talented, but that league is, that's a really good league. And you're playing. We have a kid, Ramon Moore, who, who was at Temple when Smalls and I were there. He plays for, I think, the, uh, the 36ers, Adelaide 36ers yep. in the NBL. Yep. So, I, I mean, I know his team was very good. Yeah, it's a it's a good league. It's physical. Like if you're not ready physically, you'll get hurt. I mean, they don't they don't take any, you know, they they don't take a break on you just because you may be a younger guy. Like it's a it's a high level league. There's a lot of guys that again go from the NBL to the NBA or NBA to the NBL like it's just, you know, it's a it's a it's an elite league and it's it can be tough if you're a high school guy going right there I, I don't know I mean it's a it's a big risk but again he's a very talented player and I hope he does great over there a lot of a lot of scrappy tough guys in that league and speaking of scrappy tough guys we got a little quote our first quote in coach speak from Kyle Lowry on Nick Nurse using that boxing one in game two of the NBA finals we discussed it a little bit on our episode on Friday a lot on our episode on Friday but here's the quote And listen, I don't make too much of it because it is what it is with our head coach. He wanted us to do that. That's what we did. You can always say this, this, this about it or that or about it. You can laugh at it. You can, you could clown it. It is what it is, but nothing Nick does surprises me now on the court as a coach. It doesn't surprise me. One kind of thing that caught me off guard, but yeah, it was innovative. So, you know, Kyle, I, He's kind of just speaking, you know, about this three-minute, five-minute swing of a boxing one that you never see in the NBA. And you're a young guy and have been a player much more recently than a lot of other coaches. How do you go about building relationships with guys like like that, one above absolute trust? Well, I think I think that's it. Like you have the trust, and I think Nick Nurse does a great job of getting his guys to trust him because he doesn't flinch. Like this is what he wants to do. You have to do it. And I think he's consistent in that. And the other thing is too, he's not afraid. Like, okay, what they were doing wasn't working. So why not try this? And to be honest, it worked. Like, yeah, they got back in the game, but seeing that and saying, okay, as a player, you see that in the coach and you're like, 
all right, well, this guy cares. Like, he's going to do anything and everything that he can to win games, and we got to play our, our asses off for him, you know? And so I think, like, even a superstar like Kyle Lowry, I mean, he's, he's a guy that, you know, could be like, ah, no, you know, that, that doesn't make sense. This isn't going to work. Like, it's the Warriors. They're just going to shoot us out of it. But instead, you know, he does it. It works. And now you get even more trust from your guy. You know, so I think Nick Nurse just, you know, flat out being ballsy with the call and, and trusting it gets his guys back in the game. And, and that gives you that ultimate trust. Like, okay, this guy means business. He, he's going to do whatever he can to win. And now we have to back him up on it. Do you think there's a progression of that, Nate? Like, obviously, you know, you're going to go into game one and you're going to have relationships with the guys that you've built in the summer and during workouts. But is there a part of you as a, you know, your time as a player where you needed to see a coach make those big decisions in game to really develop that level of like ultimate trust? Do you have to go kind of go through the wars with guys, both on the player and the coach side before you kind of get to that level? Yeah. I mean, there's definitely that progression. Um, You know, it's, I think, Every player wants to trust you right away. You know, as a new coach, they they want to see what you're doing work. But it's exactly that. If, if what you're doing isn't working, it's going to be a lot harder for them to trust you. So uh, there is that progression and, and just getting guys to buy in. But you also have to have the right group of guys, I think, to to fit what you're doing. You know, and, and if that doesn't work in your first year, you can't be afraid to you know, stick with what you're doing, but also get guys in positions to where they can be successful as well and make them see that, you know, so it is a progression, but, uh, you know, it's definitely one that you can get into quickly if you do the right things. I totally get that. Uh, this next one, this goes, goes into, uh, recruiting a little bit. This is Phil Martelli. Uh, he said, I spoke to him, speaking about Jawan Howard, after his press conference last week, and I said, Jawan, I know it was genuine and real, but the fact that you cried at your press conference, first of all, you grabbed me because you know I'm an emotional guy. But number two, you grabbed every mother of every recruit in the country. So first question, Nate, did you cry at your press conference when you accepted the job back at your alma mater? Uh, no, I did not cry. <laughs> you got the D2 East Hoops guys. They're looking more yeah, like the yeah, a big time one and guy. I, I didn't cry. Probably had I didn't you. cry. I mean, I, I was ecstatic, you know, and I was all excited. And there was definitely a part of me where, really, when I first got the job, I was like, oh, like speechless, really. But um, never to the point where I was crying. Um, but you know, some people deal with emotions differently. So the real crux of this question is obviously recruiting, and it's an interesting thing that you know. Phil would say about Juwan Howard, like, hey, people saw this, they see how much you care. You know, for you, what do you what do you expect your recruiting philosophy to be? Obviously, you want to get guys that fit kind of your system, but you know, what, what's your philosophy on being an effective recruiter? And and how do you kind of get in the door with those like kind of decision makers, whether it's a mother, it's a dad, it's an uncle, it's a, you know, grandma, it's an AAU coach, you know, kind of how do you break down some of those walls? Well, I think first of all is is being available, you know, being accessible where you're showing the student athlete and also the parents, you know, how much you're going to care for them, how much you're going to go out of your way to make them a part of your, you know, family, your team. And that I think now really helps kids when they feel comfortable with you, when they know that there's a relationship with you and you can build that 
through just phone calls and text messages and things like that. I think that really helps you. Um, so I think for me, it's going to be just, you know, finding the right fit. You know, you got to find the right fit for your program and for your school. You know, if you have a great guy who loves the way you're playing but can't stay in the school, it's, you know, that takes a toll on you. Um, so you got to you got to find the right fit for the school, for your program. And then, again, you have to you have to be genuine. You just have to to make yourself available. You have to really be yourself while recruiting that person, because if you're not and then they see that when you they get to school here, it's just it's it helps. It doesn't help you at all. So, um, you know, just being genuine and, and being available, I think, is going to be the biggest approach to it. Yo, I'm hopping this thing right into City Review. We mentioned the D2 East guy. Shout out my guy, Chris. He's a LeMoyne Dolphin. He's a big-time Dolphin. They call him Flipper. But listen, Syracuse, New York, you got to give us three restaurants, two bars, and an activity. Take us to Syracuse, New York. We're coming for a weekend. All right. First, The first three restaurants you have to go to, one is Dinosaur Barbecue. Uh, best barbecue you'll find, I think, in the Northeast. So, uh, you know, Dinosaur Barbecue is the number one spot. You got to hit Tully's if you're coming to Syracuse. Best best tenders in the country. You know, best Ooh. chicken tenders in the country. And they'll, they'll let you know it. Hold on. You know what it. makes a tender so good? Is it, It's got to be the crunch, right? Oh, my gosh. The crunch, the honey mustard they give you. It, oh, it, it's perfect. Sauces and crunch, perfect. baby. Like, that. that's the restaurant name, baby. Sauces and crunch. How, how does a, a barbecue, <laughs> how does a barbecue, what dino barbecue, like, how does that start? Is it started in Syracuse? Is that like a mom and pop that just like, they were like, here's this place that snowed in eight months a year. This is, this is what we need <laughs> barbecue. <laughs> you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if it originated here in Syracuse, but it's it, definitely a staple, um, you know, and it's one of the most, popular restaurants i mean i went there on a monday night and it, i had to wait for 45 minutes so oh. you know, that kind of tells you how good what? it is yeah, the yeah. Head so coach was... had to wait Dude. yeah <laughs> <laughs> you gotta pull it there you gotta be like so young i look like a student still they didn't know who i was <laughs> that's it you that's probably cool. could use you could use your id to get a student discount there i bet yeah, yeah. that's it that's it and they still take it no I'm, I'm just kidding with you guys but uh <laughs> I would say the third restaurant, um, I'm going to go with one of my, my personal favorite, uh, Pastabilities. It's a, it's a really nice pasta place downtown. It's, uh, an Italian. It has this spicy tomato oil that they give you with this unbelievable bread and it's really to die for. So, you know, uh, it's one of the few Italian restaurants that I like will really, really stick my neck out for, but it's one of the best here in the city for sure. Pasta, pastabilities. That's, I mean, it's a great, it's a great name. They definitely came up with the name when they were like 11 years old and they were like, we got to make this work. Like we have a perfect name for an Italian restaurant. <laughs> exactly. I mean, it, it just works, you know, it just, it just is. So, um, but no, great place, uh, right in downtown Syracuse too. You can't beat it. And then, uh, so two bars. All right. I'm going to, going to go with, uh, Coleman. Irish bar on Tipperary Hill. Uh, Coleman's is a great place. Um, great atmosphere. You know, Thursday nights in the summer, you got, you have uh, a nice block party going on, live band outside, uh, drink specials, all that stuff. So Coleman's unbelievable place. Great place to go. My favorite bar in, in, the, in the city. And then two, 
Um, I don't know. I'm not, gosh, two. There's a lot of them that are up there for it, but I'll go. Oh, I thought uh, there was just like one, but that's. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm kidding. I know. There's plenty of bars. There's plenty of bars. <laughs> well, here, here's the issue now, right? You, you got to kind of expand your horizons to some different spots because you can't end up at, spa- at places like students and players are going to be, you know, like you got to kind of venture that's, that's out a little exactly bit. It. That's yeah, exactly the gotta go out. That came to mind yeah, were, yeah, the first thing that came to mind, I was like, oh, no, I can't say that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, um, man. Let's, uh, I'll go with uh, Blue Tusk. Blue All Tusk right, is Blue a, it's a bar right downtown, a little bit older crowd, but uh, a good atmosphere. Had some good TVs in there, watched some sporting events. So Blue Tusk, we'll go, th- we'll go with that one. And then uh, an activity. Uh, aside from, aside from, uh, plowing snow in the winter, um, we can go sledding. Go with, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with something a little more outdoors. Uh, there's a Green Lake nature reserve. I, I like the outdoors a little bit, you know, it's a little, it's peaceful, has a little lake there. Um, you know, it's a good outdoor venue. So. You can go there, kind of take a hike, and uh, you know, relax a little bit. So I'm a big fan of Green Lake. All right, bring our hiking boots. That's that's noted. I just wrote that down. You can see I'm writing down. Be honest. How, how when are you getting the first snow in Syracuse? And then when are we like getting rid of like the dirty snow in the spring? That's just kind of like hanging out. Like, are we looking at snow like six months out of the year up there? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, so you're looking at snow. As early as like late October, maybe, and you're not getting rid of it until oh man, uh, probably like May. I mean, we were in we were in Minneapolis for like the final four. May. I mean, there like I said, there was snow on the ground in Minneapolis. That was like April eighth or April sixth or whatever. There was still snow on the ground, and then they got a storm right after the final four. No, it's just like, I don't know how people do this sometimes. Hey, nothing nothing to do but to get in the gym. I mean, that's yeah. that's just what yeah. we want to do as coaches. So, Absolutely. Well, and that, that's, that's the thing so for us as coaches. You, you see that and you're like, all right, well, at least I know they're not outside. So you should be hearing the balls bounce here pretty soon. So, um, you know, it's <laughs> that's a great point. It's, that, is, that is something that is a positive. You know, there's a lot of snow here, but at the same time, you know, it gives our guys the excuse to get in the gym. So I, I actually, I love that. That is a super good way to look at it. Uh, all right, ten touches, thirty second rapid fire. I got the first five. Uh, who's the funniest uh, person you ever played with or uh, coached? Funniest person I've ever uh, played with or coached with is uh, Mike Macabigas. He's at Florida Southern College. Unbelievable guy. Hilarious though. I believe he just got uh, promoted to associate head coach. Yes, actually, I think I saw that pop oh, on. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, shout, out, shout out to Mac. <laughs> shout out to Mac. That guy's unbelievable. I love him. Uh, what's your worst basketball travel experience? Like, what trip was just brutal? Does Australia count? Yeah, yeah. yeah let's hear it. All right. Uh, I mean, 24 hours on a plane, just nowhere to go, really. You're kind of stuck. You're traveling in, in uh, coach. You're not first class. So, you <laughs> know, as gotta, a big guy. Yeah, as a bigger guy, you know, the first trip I had, I first plane gets canceled. I have to wait. I go over to New Zealand as a connecting flight, and that one's delayed. So it ended up being like 27, 28 hours, and it just, it was just, it was miserable. But, you know, great time over there. So it all, all worked out in the end. 
What are you currently binge watching? You probably haven't watched a lot of TV in the last couple of weeks. I'd imagine that's currently, not high. Currently <laughs> binge watching uh, uh, Lemoyne College basketball game. <laughs> that's, that's um, the best answer we've ever got. That actually is that's yeah. the first time anyone's ever told us that they were binge watching film. <laughs> yeah, yeah man, uh, I, I find myself. <laughs> I mean, any any free moment that I get, it's uh, on to Lemoyne just trying to get a grasp on our guy. So uh, that's really all the time that I've had to to watch shows. What was the last show you binge watched? Oh gosh, last show that I binge watched. Uh, uh, you on Netflix? Have you seen that? No, okay. but ben, it's about right it's about a guy who stalks a girl. I guess I watched the trailer. It was I, I was like, all right, this is we'll save this, but heard it's yeah, good. it was it was kind of one of those things that was like a show I'd watch at night right before I fell asleep and just kind of like mindless. I would be on my phone throughout it, but it was it was on. So I got through it, I guess. What's the uh, best game you've ever been a part of? Oof, greatest game I've ever been a part of. Um, I would say two years ago, first round of the NCAA tournament, we're the eight seed at Florida Southern. We're playing Morehouse at Morehouse. They're the number one seed. Um, there's about 5,000 people in the crowd. It's a great crowd. We're down 20 with 12 minutes left. Mike Donnelly calls the last timeout. Um, we come back going to overtime and winning overtime. Uh, just unbelievable back and forth. The guards in that game were unbelievable. John Lawton for us at Florida Southern just had a, a spectacular performance. You know, he hit some tough shots for us and ultimately win the game, go on to the second round. It was, it was one of the greatest games I'll, I'll ever be a part of. Uh, who was the toughest player you had to, or you ever had to guard? Toughest player I've ever had to guard, uh, Jalen Brown for the for the Boston Celtics. He was a freshman at Cal, and I was over in Australia. They came over on their tour. I got matched up with him. Jalen gave me buckets for about two halves. So, uh, <laughs> no, it, it, that's an it, awesome experience, it, though. Yeah, it was, it's awesome because I watch him on TV now. I'm like, all right, I played against him. If these guys can't guard him, I don't feel so bad. So. I, I, I wasn't sure if you were like, actually, I was about to interview for the Celtics, and they were like, hey, we need you to hop in a three-on-three game, and you had to, you had to guard Jalen <laughs> Brown in that, too. <laughs> no, no, thankfully not. What would you do if you weren't coaching? Oh, what would I do if I wasn't coaching? Um, I honestly would probably be somewhere in the business world, probably in Probably be a Coferellis, selling athletic trainers. Probably yeah. selling something. something. <laughs> I'm um, honestly, yeah, I, I don't know where I'd be. Um, probably doing some type of business, just trying to make some money. I love it. Uh, what would you change about college basketball? What would I change about college basketball? If you're running – if the shot clock's running down and the ball hits the rim, it resets to 14 like FIBA rules. Love it. Love it. Pre-game routine, do you have one? Ooh. Um, well, when I was at Florida Southern, I would go and eat at a place for lunch every game day um, if we were playing at home. So that was kind of my routine. It was just my way of getting away from an, for an hour. I wouldn't bring my phone with me. I would just kind of sit there. Um, and eat and the people at the restaurant knew me and and you know so it was kind of just that thing I did every every time before a home game so I would say that's probably the closest thing to a pregame routine that I have I think uh, I think you may have answered this before but what's the what was the greatest adjustment or difference in terms of playing overseas that you had to make uh, biggest adjustment just uh, the physicality really 
Um, they can hip check you. They can do a lot of things as long as their hands are up in the air. The refs aren't going to call fouls there. So, you know, just kind of adjusting to the physicality of, of playing over there. What's your, what's your secret talent? Oh, gosh. I don't know if I have a secret talent, to be honest. Um, you do? I would say my, my secret talent is probably my ability to uh, – um, gosh. Uh, my secret talent. It's probably my ability to eat. Yeah, eat a lot. You know? we got it. We got to pitch this question. Like, this is really bad radio just to talk about this in the middle of the interview. But we'll be honest. Like, we keep asking, and no coach ever admits they have a secret talent. Like, we'll find it eventually. So, somebody's going to tell us, like, I sing freaking opera in the shower, and it's, it's one amazing. out of you know one out of eight. You know what I mean? That's what you have but to. It, go is through. that a, is that a talent though? Like, how do you know if that's a talent or not? Like, I I can sing in the shower, but like. <laughs> I don't know if that's talent. Like somebody outside that's hearing me is probably like, "Oh no, that that's definitely not talent." Yeah, we'll we'll revise the question. And then, and then like the one time someone gives us a talent, like like Matt Goldsmith from TC and J tells us he's good at cornhole, and then Smalls and I just like crap all over him. Like, oh, everybody says they're good at cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> it's just we're we're just in our own way all the time. That's all right. So we're we'll figure it out. We're gonna get a really good one one day. Just really really good. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, one that like just like goes viral. But two future podcast guests for us. Oh man, uh, one is Mike Macabeka. Yeah, I, yeah. I really want him on. Ten years with Donnelly. Oh, he and Mac is he's funny. He uh, is a great guy, great personality. I think he would be great on the show. Uh, and then the second one, I'm gonna go with uh a guy that I'm actually going to hire here at, at LeMoyne and uh, I'm going to go with Tyler Kelly, get him some, get him some time on the show as well. He's got a unique background. He's a national champion, uh, played at Florida Southern. So I think he would be great for you guys. Breaking is, that, news. is that breaking news? Is that breaking news? Is that hire going to be official before this airs on Tuesday? Cause if, if not, I, I'm, I love the news, you know, yeah, I'm gonna um, it. It, <laughs> it's not official. <laughs> All right, so we'll come out Tuesday on the podcast. It'll be electric. <laughs> I love it. More ratings. <laughs> All right, last segment. Parting shots. Same two questions to every guest. I got the first one. Uh, Nate, what's the best advice? Uh, can be coaching or non-coaching, but what's the best advice you've ever been given? Uh, best advice I've ever been given is uh, from my daddy. He just says, you know, don't don't take yourself too seriously. Uh, he always calls it rule number five. But anytime that you're stressed or upset about something, he's like just just remember, don't take yourself too seriously. Know that there's probably something that could be worse. So I think that's advice that I, I always take with me. You know, just try to be yourself. Try to be a humble guy and, and do things the right way. And everything else will take care of itself. Love it. Face-to-face with your 24-year-old self, what are you telling that person? <laughs> what were you thinking? No. Um, <laughs> no uh, face-to-face with my 24-year-old self is uh, life's just beginning. You know, you got a bright future ahead of you and stay the path. You know, you know what you want to do. You know what you're trying to accomplish and go for it. You know, don't ever don't ever hold back. No, I, I think that's awesome. I, I also think it's funny, like, we picked 24 for, for you, Nate, because, you know, it might have been more apt to do, like, 18-year-old self or something just because, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, well, I just think it's funny, like, when you're leaving – you know, you're, you're coming from Indiana to Lemoyne and I don't know, you know, I don't know if you have any idea what the next 10 years of your life are going to look like. And then you, you know, you get on a plane and end up back at Lemoyne and, and now you're, you're leading the program. And I'm, I'm just going to be totally honest with you. I'm really excited to kind of see what's next for you guys. I, I, it's a, 
Obviously, it's a really good program. They're, they're the Dolphins, which is just a super odd nickname for a school for, you know, there's probably Great not a dolphin. Yeah. Well, there's probably not a dolphin within like a couple hundred miles, right? <laughs> there's not. Um, but the dolphin is a Jesuit symbol for success. There it okay. is. There you go. See, see another breaking news on the podcast. Yeah. See what's <laughs> that's, that's, what that's what I was told, at least. So, you know, that, that's what I was led to believe. But no, um, yeah, it's, I, I don't know. If I was to tell myself if I was 18, just coming out here to Lemoyne, I don't know. Just don't ever give up on what you're trying to do. That's probably what I would tell myself. You know, don't let people try and tell you that you should be doing this or that. Just keep doing what you think is right and keep just keep keep going like don't don't ever don't ever change you know because there's always going to be people that have their opinions and you know you can buy into those and change your route but i think if you're just true to yourself you're you're always going to be the more successful part of yourself for sure yeah no i i I definitely appreciate that uh he is at Coach N Champ on Twitter. So go ahead and follow him there. It looks like his DMs are open if you want to hit him up for basketball advice or anything like that or just wish him luck this season. Uh, Nate, really, like I said, really excited to kind of see what happens uh, coming up this season. And uh, hopefully we'll see you out on the road in July, man. But we appreciate you coming on and, and taking some time to sit with us. Guys, I really appreciate it as well. I mean, you know, it was a great opportunity for me to, to kind of get on here. And, and uh, you know, it was great meeting you guys as well. So uh, thanks for the... Thanks for the kind words, and like like you guys said, we'll see you guys out on the road. All right. We'll talk soon. Thanks, mate. All right. Sounds good. Thanks.